This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. We are back in the studio. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 30th, episode 2171. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as a life in between. And coming up on this episode, we got a little first-person review of the 2019 NRCHA Stakes Open Cowork Finals, because Trevor and Tara were there. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not going to spoil it. And then Chris Jeter is going to stop by, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about cross-country and exciting additions for her in the Ranch Work Championships. And then, of course, Ashton Dunkel from Texas A&M University stops by and going to talk a little bit about being on the collegiate equestrian team. So stay tuned for the break, folks. Well, thank you, Jennifer. And, of course, this is the Western episode. We are here the fourth Tuesday of every month, and this month it's the fifth Tuesday. Uh, and uh, that's because we were off last week, so we bumped it to this uh, to this time slot. Thank you so much, Tara, for doing that. Appreciate it. You bet. <laughs> and, of, cor- of course, you can go to horsesinthemorning.com and look for Carter Ranch Horse Western Day icon in the middle of the page, and that'll bring you to all the past Western episodes that we have had here. And, you know, it does seem like a while since we've talked because you guys have been out and about and around and done some pretty cool things. Yeah, it was funny when you asked this morning, I I really had already forgotten. I can't believe how much time (laughs) has passed since we visited last. But but yeah, the kind of the most exciting thing that's happened since we last visited was uh, we went to Las Vegas for the NRCHA Stallion Stakes. And what, what that is, is the NRCHA has several main events the snaffle bit futurity is one of them and that's the national or national reined cow horse association right yes okay. yes that's right thanks for <laughs> thanks for saying that. i get so used to saying the acronyms like we all do yep we get we get stuck in our jargon um so they have the the snaffle bit futurity and those and that is in october and they hold that in fort worth and what that's designed for is for the three-year-olds to kind of have their first opportunity to go out and show in rain cow horse but then they have another event that is called, it's called a derby, which is for your four, five, and six-year-olds, um, really four and five-year-olds mostly. But that's designed so that some horses just aren't ready by their three-year-old year. So they start to have derbies for those horses, you know, to give kind of everybody another opportunity to come out and show. But this particular one that we went to is designed only for 
horses that are bred or that are the offspring of certain stallions. So if you're a stallion owner, you, you pay a nomination fee for all of the offspring of your stallion to be eligible for this show. So this one is kind of a, it's kind of a big deal because it's a, a limited pool, but it's usually of some of the top producing sires. And then there's some added money to it. So that's, that's what we went to. Um, and Trevor, Trevor's just getting started in the rain cow horse industry. So they have different levels. So just like eventing has different levels, you know, once Novice you get up to, and advanced and things like that. Right. Yes, exactly. So in the open, they have um, a they have a level one limited open, and those are people who've won less than fifteen thousand. And then they have different divisions as you go up: limited open, then they have intermediate open, and then they have open. And once you've won over a hundred thousand, then you have to be in the open. So it just gives people who are getting started, you know, a chance to a chance to get their feet wet and possibly at least earn earn a little back. So. Um, they had some amazing horses there, and uh, Trevor. I mean, I'm. You know, there was the Justin Wright won the Open. Um, I'd have to look up who won the Intermediate Open, and oh, uh, I just went blank. I can picture him on his horse, but and then uh, and then Trevor and then Trevor won the uh, Limited Open. Wow! So it was really it was really exciting. Yeah. Yay! Good for him. Yeah. And there were so, a few in the class. It's not like when we say, uh, when, when we, Jennifer used to come home and say, I got a blue ribbon and she was the only one in the class. Is, what, isn't yeah. that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know the full, um, the full numbers, but uh, what they do is they do a preliminary run. So everybody does a reining, everybody does a cutting, everybody does a fence work or cow work. Um, and then the top 20 make it back for the open. And then the top, uh, I think, 19 make it back for the intermediate and then the top three made it back for the limited open so so that was the now you're pretty chill all the time are you that chill when he's riding in competitions like this i'm really i don't i actually don't like it like i i get nervous <laughs> I'm, like i can't and i can't do anything about it you know like if i was showing or if i was giving a presentation or something like that i i kind of have my method to get through my nerves or something to do but when i'm watching I can't, I can't do anything. Yeah. I can't really run the stairs. I can't really, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, so it's either the only other thing I can think of is just to not be there. <laughs> it was, so, and with and, Road and to the Horse, enough. it was different for you because you were right there in the ring. You were helping. So you were yeah, doing something. I had an outlet. Yeah. yeah. I had an outlet for it. Yeah. 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 But you know, what's really funny is uh, one of our friends, Diana, who's been on the show, uh, she lives in California and she's like, Vegas is an easy flight. I'm going to catch a flight and come out there and for the finals, if he makes the finals. And so it was great. She made the finals. We we're looking at her or looking at her flights and we're like, well, you know, depending on how it goes, maybe you should take this seven o'clock flight. Well, it wasn't going to work. The finals were running late. We were running late. So she tried to move her flight and she was on her phone like every five minutes trying to get the last flight. She wasn't going to get it. She was going to have to leave like four minutes before his run. So she's in her Uber on the way. The flight opens up. She gets her flight. She comes back. Like she runs in the arena and watches Trevor's run. And anyway, so we had some, that at least gave me something else to think about at that one. So that was good. Terrific. Well, I know Nevada had a bit of a problem with basically shutting down shows there. Is that something? And I know a lot of that was in the rodeo and Western world. Have What was it? Is it EHV? What was it? That was, yeah. yeah. Yes, EHV. Um, 
And that was one of the big concerns before we went to the show is they just had an outbreak um, at, I think it was at a high school rodeo event. Um, I, I better be careful what I say because I don't want to spread bad information. But it was it was at a rodeo type event. Um, and then so what they did is they had a show before. It wasn't at the facility that we were at, South Point. Um, but they had a show the weekend before the stallion stake. So they canceled that show to make sure that it was outside of the quarantine period. Um, whenever, whenever we had our move in date and they're really amazing. They have uh, symbiont, which, you know, which is a product that we use at our barn all throughout the facility and ways to disinfect the hoses. I didn't even know they had like those things existed, but you they mean have the inside of the hoses. Yeah. You it's like a, a hose. Yeah. Well, it's like a, like we you water your horses and then you go and you put the hose, like the end of the hose nozzle in this little, like a tube. And so that way, when you're done with the hose, you put it in some disinfectant uh. and it's right at all the faucets. Huh. Um, so, and then, you know, it's like a P it's really kind of a simple invention and it's a PVC deal and then they can just unscrew it, wash it out, refill it. Um, so they had that, and there were two horses that came away from the event, but it was all at one at one barn, and chances are they could have brought it with them, you know. So the fact that it really didn't spread out of that their their stalling area, I think, says a lot. So, um, so yeah, I guess facilities it was a bit like that are going to have to even be more and more aware of that, aren't they? All facilities really are going to have to really start stepping up on that kind of thing. Yeah, and I. You know, I mean, this is sort of like the flu. And we've had horses that that would come in for a clinic and they would sort of be stressed from the trip. But it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't test for EHV or something like that. So, um, but the other good news is this wasn't the neurological form. So I guess there's right. a different strain that, you know, is really quite frightening. So, so yeah, I guess, you know, it's a lot like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> Been laying low since then, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I didn't, I didn't know if it affected the big shows or just the smaller shows around the state. You know, I knew that they were really, you know, having issues with it, but I wasn't sure what it affected exactly. I was so impressed with, I didn't even know there was an outbreak. And we got an email before, really, I feel like any anything really hit social media or anything from NRCHA and from their vet that's on their board, telling us about the situation, telling us where the horses were from, telling us what they've already decided to do in regards to safety at the show. I mean, it was before I could even hear about it. So I was really impressed with that amount of correspondence. So. Huh. Interesting. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious, yeah. Tara. I need, I have a question, important question. Inquiring minds need to know. Let's do it. Everybody's got their own system for when they go, on the road to competitions as far as um, quarantine and disease pre spread prevention and things like that. Kind of walk us through how Carter Ranch Horse deals with the, when you go to shows, are they allowed to touch noses? Or are they allowed to drink from public water troughs and that kind of thing? Where, where do you guys stand? Because everybody's got a different way of doing things. Like Jennifer didn't even want them grazing at the show. You know, in the grass. Oh, yeah. No, nobody's allowed to graze. Yeah. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> we actually worked with our vet here. Um, and he, he's really amazing. He put together a whole biosecurity protocol for our facility and what we would do in and out wow. of shows and all that. Um, now it's over the top and he's <laughs> like, you know, I don't expect you to take all of this, but here's what would be in a perfect, you know, a vet's perfect scenario. Um, 
So he did that for us and we've implemented some of the things that really work for us. The other side is that, you know, we're kind of, we're a bit more on the ranch side of things than we are on a full blown show side of things. So, um, we're not, you know, we don't have crystal clean white everything and we don't dust the barn on a regular basis or anything like that. Um, but what we do have is when we go to a show, we do use Symbiont when we do travel overnight um, we use Symbiont and we'll spray down a stall before we put the horses in. Um, every time we come back from a show, you know, we, we take, we clean out the entire trailer and we wash all the buckets and bleach everything. Um, we clean our water, you know, our water stuff like that regularly with bleach. And now what we're doing, we're currently building a new set of pins so that when horses come in or when horses come in from clinics, they stay there and then they have a certain time period before they come over to the main barn so we kind of have a, a quarantine. I would call it like a, a soft quarantine, you know, where some places you go and it, you're a strict 30-day quarantine. Nobody touches you, that kind of stuff. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's very rigid, but those are just some things that we just have as our our best practices. And we don't really allow horses to touch noses. When we know that there's something going around, we don't use community water troughs. Um, and we don't really use them that often anyway. Even, and I don't really feel like we go to many events anymore that have them. The only time we'll really use a community water trough is if we're out day working at somebody's ranch. And yeah. that's just a little bit different. Right. Yeah. And th- they, that's a much more, yeah, that's a much lower risk endeavor. And that always get kind of, and it's, it's normal everyday practice in endurance race or endurance riding that they have these giant troughs around the trail because, hello, you're on your horse for 12 hours. He needs to drink regularly because he's sweating like yeah. Um That the horses drink out of these troughs. And they're clean, and everybody supposedly is healthy. They've all been vetted in, et cetera. But it's still kind of still like, oh. Jennifer will not do it if we go trail riding at the trailheads, because the trailheads here in Florida are beautiful. They have bathrooms, and they have troughs for the oh, horses yeah. and everything. But she, she, we don't we don't go directly out of the trough with the horses. Now, you know, one thing, the symbiont that we use, they you can put it in the water. It's food grade. So that was one of the things they told us is that you can just put a little bit in there. exactly is it? So it was, and they're in Florida. They're probably like five minutes from you, probably. Uh, They designed it for, they run, they grow tomatoes. So it's a food grade product that they can put on the tomatoes for, um, like to keep them, you know, disinfect sort of like antimicrobial, antibacterial, all that kind of stuff. So that's you now you can get, use it. Uh, you know, so you don't get food poisoning from your tomato. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Where do you buy it? <laughs> yeah. Where do you buy it from? Uh, we buy it from symbiontagwash.com. Symbiontagwash.com. Yes. S y n b i o n t. They use it for dog kennels. They use it for horses. Um, I think it may even still work. You can order and use the code Trevor and get some get a percentage off. I think. Huh. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. I don't think we've ever used that, have we, Jennifer? I've oh. never. I am completely unfamiliar with their product, and I am intrigued. Oh, seriously? Yeah, we've never we, heard of it. I've never heard oh, of it. We we even wash the horses with it. Really? Yeah. And how's it spelled again? S y n b i o n t. B b i o n t. Uh huh. Symbiont. Symbiont Agwash. There it is. Symbiontagwash.com. Uh-huh. Well, That's there it. you go. Something we didn't know about. Yeah, well, see, look at that question. It was a great question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a friend a friend of ours that uh, she actually brought a cult to Trevor she was having some trouble with, 
And so he helped her and she was the one who told us about it. And even when this whole EHV thing broke out, she was like, remember, wash your horses with Symbiont. And <laughs> I didn't know you can actually do we, the, wow, you can do, even do the horses too. We'll make sure yeah, we put a link to that in our show notes as well. We actually keep it in a spray bottle too. We'll spray down bits. Um, we can spray down cinches. We wash cinches, you know, after, a, like every horse has their own cinch. But when the horse goes home, we wash it. And then that, we use Symbiont to wash it. Huh, and this is not a paid commercial because I knew nothing about it. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> well, while Jennifer's getting uh, the first guest on, let's do a paid commercial. Um, okay. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about flies because they're out in most of the country right now. And this is fascinating, Tara. And I, I don't know if you knew this or not. Hey, Horseware has an Amigo range, uh, range of sheets, and one of them is called the Evolution Fly Sheet. And you've probably seen it because it's aqua, very aqua blue and orange. And you've probably seen horses out there and head to toe in this aqua and blue or orange fly sheets. But that collar combination wasn't just random. Horseware carried out extensive research to support the use of this color. Apparently, most insects have a, a, what's known as compound eyes, which restrict their ability to see certain colors. Uh, in fact, the research has shown that most insects aren't sensitive to many shades of yellow, orange, and red. Most insects can, however, see ultraviolet lights very clearly, and it's those UV pigments in flowers that they see, as opposed to vibrant colors. So, for instance, uh, you notice that flies are attracted to certain colors. If you have a brightly colored jacket or car, I, I did notice that when I drive my green car, flies are more attracted when we drive the blue truck. Oh, uh, I notice so, white all yeah, the time. White, white is especially true, uh, and especially true of the uh, of the love bugs that we have here in Florida. <laughs> if yeah. if you have white, your car is going to be inundated. <clears throat> I don't yeah. know why that is. So. So what they've done is they've done this research and determined that this aqua color and the orange color are are colors that flies don't see. So when this pattern, the way they have it on the blanket on the horse, it breaks up the shape of the horse so that the insects struggle to identify the target and can't figure out where to land. And it essentially camouflages the horse against a wide range of pesky flies and bugs. So that's why the colors are what they are. So when you see them out there, you're going, oh, they just picked pretty Easter egg colors. That's not what they did. They actually did some scientific studies to determine that. Wow. So, yeah. See, did you? I know it's fascinating to know. It's really interesting. I, I totally thought it was a smell thing completely, but that makes sense about the whole land. Well, and actually, thing. that's why zebras, they've determined that the striping oh. on zebras, flies don't get that either. Um, they kind of, they, they, they can't put it together that that's actually an animal. So, I don't know. I see zebras swishing their tails a lot in the <laughs> National Geographic videos. They're different kind of flies. Those are super, yeah. super African flies. Yeah. Uh, like the, like the <laughs> horn flies from the cows. Yes. They're <laughs> wicked around here. Yeah. So the Amigo Evolution Fly Sheet also has a supersized tail flap with silk lining, leg arches, shoulder and mane lining, belly flap, and Velcro closures for full belly coverage, three straight surcingles, an integrated back cover and fillet string, and in addition also features their new discs, their new disc front closure system. So it is a really cool, super lightweight, high-tech product. It's available inside 
sizes 60 to 84, so pony to larger horse. You can visit them at horseware.com for more details or find a retailer near you. That's horseware.com. And make sure you check out the super fun color of aqua and orange for your next fly sheet. And besides, you'll be able to find them in the field then. That'd be easy. Yeah, I was gonna say, I just can't imagine me bringing this to Trevor and be like, I got us some new fly sheets. I want you to do it. You need to do it. (laughs) You need to at least buy one. Yeah. (laughs) Buy one for his champion horse. That'd be perfect. Now when now when people are asking for directions to the place, I'll be like, Oh, you'll see it. Don't it's not look for the black pipe fence. It's look for the horses in the orange and and aqua. (laughs) Aqua. Yeah, that'd be easy. I yeah. see. I think MC Cowhammer needs an aqua and orange. Matter of fact, <laughs> buy it and say, I got you a prize for winning. <laughs> yeah. See what well, he does. <laughs> it, well, speaking of finding directions to our place, one of the things that, that we're going to try to do uh, coming up in a couple of months is we're going to host a ranch work championship at our place. And this we went to we went to an event uh, last summer, and I asked a guy named Chris Jeter to come on and tell us about it. I don't know if you remember this, yes, Glenn. Yes, I do. Yep. We're really excited about it because it was a ranch work opportunity, you know, a show opportunity. But they had done it uniquely in that they put it into a 4D system. And we went to the event that had some ranch roping, which a lot of events don't have. You know, there's only a you know, and you, it's not really like you have an opportunity to do intro to ranch roping either. You know, yeah, you either right. either know what you're going to do or you don't show up at all. Um, you sit in the stands. So we were really excited about the events that they offered. And when we went to the event, it was great people and well run. And so after that, they really started brainstorming how they could make it even better. And they set out to solve two problems that they currently see among the ranch eventing community. And so one is being the judged aspect. So most people, and we've talked about this too, most people have a hard time understanding judging or have no interest in it. So the ranch work championships are all timed, but they've capped them at a trot speed. So I've asked Chris Jeter to come on and, and tell me, tell us a little bit more about the, the evolution of this, of this event um, but also what they've done is that they considered the fact that when cowboys maneuver cattle in a gentler way than what is portrayed in other ranch events. So they wanted competitors to handle cowboy to handle cattle like a cowboy would on the ranch. So Chris, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? I'm doing well, thanks. So t- tell us a little bit about what caused you to bring about the changes in in the ranch work championships. Well, like you were saying, you were at our inaugural event where it was our, it was kind of our test event and it still had a horse show atmosphere, which that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but there's already versatility shows, uh, stock horse shows, the ranch horse America there. That's already been done. We wanted something that was new and different and that appealed to a wide group of people that didn't want to show, they didn't want to be exposed to judging, but they still wanted to do something ranchy. And so we, we, you know, last year's show, I think we had four events. We dropped it to three. We have our ranch course. The only thing mandatory is that there is a drag and a, and a jump. Like you would jump out in the pasture over a tree or something, gathering cattle. That's the only time you can lope at all. You have, uh, two strides to get back to a trot whenever if your horse breaks to a lope over jump because they'll do that and the theory is is that the broker horse will 
go through it more efficiently because we still stress you still need to be efficient on a ranch. So that broker horse will go through and have a better time. But we also dropped it down to a 3D. We found that was a more natural break for the event. It made it where it was more affordable. We wanted to be where you can come and, and do these events. And, and at first, we'll, we think these will be just a single-day event. Our ranch pinning, we changed that up. Uh, you have, you know, uh, your basic pins are going to be an 80-foot pin with a little catch pin at one side. And so you ride into the herd. We've got numbered cattle and unnumbered cattle. We call your number. You have 90 seconds to get that cow pinned. If you have two or three or, or two others with it, that's okay. You still get the same time. You can get up to five in that pen, and you'll have a five-second penalty for, for the fourth cow and five-second for the fifth. But this is still something that you would do on a ranch. If you needed, you would take the one cow if you had to take a few others with it uh, in order to, to get the one cow pinned that you need pinned. And then, of course, we have our ranch roping, which, as you saw, was a big hit at the show. It's, you know, with the breakaway Hondo. We call your number. You have two number cattle, so you have one of two chances to pick through and find your cow. You're not just looking for a single cow. Hmm. But by going to the time format, we just felt like that opened it up for more people. People understand roping. People understand the the barrel racing. And even team sorting, team pinning is based on time with set penalties and very few penalties. The rules for our event are all on one page. We felt that was very important. So it's it is kind of like we I remember before we compared it to eventing, kind of the three phase eventing for for ranch and it kind of is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it, right. It, you know, you go out there when when you're when you're sent out and when you're going work on a ranch, our course should simulate riding across pasture to find the cattle. Pinning should be getting the cattle pinned when work, and then to drag a calf or doctor a cow, you need to rope. So we we thought it was a natural sequence of things that you would do on a ranch. Oh, that kind of makes sense. When you explain it that way, it really makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, if you want to go fast, we have pinning and sorting, but this, we want this to be what the cowboys would do. Yeah. Yeah. And sorting the way ranch sorting works is, you know, you have, you have two pins, like basically a figure eight, two round pins put together and you go as fast as you can to get like, they'll give, there's 10 cows in the pin and they'll call out a number and you start with number eight and then you got to go nine, 10, one, two, three, four. You have to go all the way through and it is full on fast. Um, but it, it doesn't simulate the way you really would do it at, at home. Like it's a good test of seat speed and skill and all that. But I love how, and I love in the, the team pinning, um, what you guys are calling ranch pinning. A lot of times in team pinning, it's fast and wild and but I love it that you guys are allowing you to take one or two more cows with you for no penalty because that is what you do. You'd get them in a smaller area and you'd sort it out. You know, you'd sort it out better when you had more boundaries if you needed it. So. Jennifer said it's like eight yeah. ball and billiards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and 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 not the way college kids play, where you know you hit it and hope everything scatters and the right thing goes in the hole. It, it's not yeah. how you want to do this. <laughs> We're we're just we're really excited about this. We uh we did a, a test run in Kentucky, which is not necessarily a big ranch horse part of the world, and they had a blast. Uh once once again the roping was a really big hit. 
because people want to get the rope, but with that breakaway Hondo, you're not in danger of losing a finger. Well, let's give you explain the, the that to get we, in there. Uh, Tara was just talking to us about that. Is that actually in rodeos too? The breakaway is becoming a a, a division, right? A, a sport. So, so to explain what happens, how that works for those that don't well, have any clue. In, what in, in our ranch about. roping, we have a breakaway. In our ranch roping, we have a breakaway. You use a breakaway Hondo. So let's say we've got forty cows in the herd, and you ride in the pen, and we call number five. And you're going to go in and find one of the two cattle, Mark number five. You're going to have to go in. You There again, you can't do more than a lope. And so you're going to go in at a walk or trot and try to get that cow cut out to one side or at least to a position where you can rope him. Now, if you've ever watched some of these big loop ropings or some of these, the, the guys that can do some, some fancy shots, you know, a hula hand and a, and a backwards throw they'll learn to get in there in that herd and they can even rope one out of the herd that way. Well, once you rope the correct cow and the, and the Hondo breaks, the time is done. Now, if you rope a wrong cow and the Hondo breaks, it's a no time because if you're on the ranch and you bring the wrong cow in, you, you know, you, you haven't done what your job was, but if you can fish your rope back off without breaking the Hondo, you have that time to re-rope. Uh, so does the but announcer all, it, does the announcer becomes, make fun of you like you uh, when you're on the ranch and you bring the wrong one and you get made fun of? Does the announcer do that too? We'll let you, we'll let your friends do that at the back gate. But it gives a lot of people an opportunity to get in there and it and it and have a broke horse and go in there. I always point out the average size of a ranch in the United States based on tax information is 35 head of cows and that's figuring everybody's ranch together so figuring in reality most people have a little 10 20 herd, cow herd and they want to go do stuff like they would do at home or they would go back to the friend's ranch or something so this lets them go do that you can come in we could all bring one horse and 20 of us ride the same horse it's not based on your horse it's based on the rider yeah. And our goal is this year to get people introduced to it, and next year have a finals, kind of like the World Series of Roping has, where you can come to the finals. Hopefully, the finals will be a two or a three day event due to numbers, and we'll even have a have a short go round for the ones that are eligible for the all around. The beauty of this event is you're paying one entry fee, and you have counting the all around. You're going to have. 12 opportunities to win money on one entry fee. I don't, I can't think of another event where you get that opportunity. Yeah. That was one thing I couldn't get over. I, you know, I know 4D is you know, different D's and the division system is popular in some timed events. But once we went and did the 4D, you know, like I think one of the horses broke gate over something and it was like, oh, well, there went that. And all of a sudden, we brought home a check. And it, we thought, well, hey, maybe we like this system. <laughs> but yeah. it, it was really... I, I remember Trevor looking at me and saying, I've never drawn a check when I have a big mistake. I said, <laughs> I said that's how the barrel... You know, that's what same thing happened in barrel racing. You could you could have a mistake, a slip or whatever, and you weren't out of the money in a different division. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just like the way we they divide it out by earnings. But it, yeah, it's it's really a great opportunity. And I feel like most people at that event came came home with a check. Most oh, people we, well, got something. You know, you're, if you pay, we're, we're basing it on the on the system of 
the barrel race. And if, it, if anyone wants to look, they can go to Ranch Work Championships, and it has examples of our payout system and how they'll work. Uh, we're wanting the entry fees to stay consistent everywhere. And it, it's it's very simple, and they can call and talk to me or Steve Hayes or Dave Dell and either one, and we can explain it to them further. But it it puts a lot of money back into people's pockets, and it puts you don't have to be the fastest rope or the best horse because each of our Ds pay the same. So that 3D winner gets the same check as the 1D winner. What I love about all of this is it just gives your horse a purpose. We were actually talking the other day. We have some people that come and they, they come here to learn how to start colts with Trevor. And some of the things that they would do to get their horse to go, Trevor says, well, that's working for you. But if you'd like to swing a rope off of that horse in three or four days, that's not going to work out. So just for the opportunity for people to go and have a purpose with their horse that's not, like you said, doesn't have to be fast, doesn't have to be a fancy show horse, just the amount of experience that you can give your horse in a quality setting is really great. Not to mention the fact that you could possibly bring home a check to help pay for your entry fees. So I'm excited for you guys developing, developing well, this to the next I got, level. I, got, I, I nearly forgot. I do have to tell you what I think. The one thing that does make it really entertaining for this yeah. is the minute you get done with any class, if you don't like your run, you can have a one-time do-over. Oh. So if you get done with your rope and run or, or your pin and you don't like it, right that minute, you can request a rerun. It it's like a mulligan in gold. It's, it's a mulligan. You have to pay brand new entry fees oh, and your okay. first time is gone. <laughs> so you don't get to pick the best of two times. I got you. If you want to, you can have a do-over. Per event or like one per show? Per, 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 per event. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So basically, you can enter the class twice. Basically, what you can that, enter twice, but you're throwing but you out your first you don't get score. To choose which time. Yeah, it's like you're a mulligan. Yeah, regardless, <laughs> you throw out that first one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, that reminds me a little bit of skydiving, where because I think you could run this in two ways. Like skydiving, you go and the minute you land on the ground, they're like, "Would you like to go again?" Yeah, pay <laughs> so you me could again. Go in and have, yes. have the best time ever. Would you like to go again? Yes. <laughs> Only, I, only you don't yeah. want to have a bad skydive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point. Uh, well, thank you, Chris, for coming on to tell us about the event, and where, where people can find out more about it. What's the website again, where they can learn more about uh, the ran- event? Ranchworkchampionships dot com, I believe, is what we have that. And is there? So a there you can post? you can Google Ranchwork. You can Google Ranchwork Championships, and it will take you straight to it. Okay. And is there the ability to host events? You know, how do people get involved? If anyone, if anyone would like to, if anyone would like to host events in their area, we have a, a producer's handbook for it. It's a, it's a great event to produce. Uh, and e- any of us would be happy to come out the first time to help them get started and then and, and do that first one to kind of get their feet wet. And we'd love for any and everyone that wants to put one on in their area to please contact us. We'll help them get get one going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris sent me the producer's handbook. And as I was scrolling through it, like he said about the rules, like I get to ranch pinning. And as I scroll down, I'm like, oh, look at all that white space. Like it, it was really nice to go, oh, <laughs> I, I could yeah. do this. I could do this. Yeah. yeah. There's the, the, the rules are a minimum. You know, the, uh, we all want to play a game where we understand the rules. And the simpler it is, the more fun everybody has. You know, look at roping. You break the barrier, you catch a single leg, 
you know, there's, there's very few rules and everyone understands and they can play that game. Yeah. They even give you a mock, a mock ranch work championship. Like they give you the breakdown and I don't know if you mm-hmm. know of this guy, but they even have Super Puncher entered in here, so that's pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know well, about Do you know about that? Do you know about that guy, Glenn? I had, no. I had not seen that part on that. <laughs> uh, there's this guy that does a series of videos called Dale Brisby about there about how to be a cowboy, and it's pretty entertaining. Anyway, he calls himself a Super Puncher, so apparently he goes to these events. Well, we would love to have everybody come out there and come be a super puncher too. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll have we'll have a we'll have the we'll have the Clovis super puncher here this yeah. summer. <laughs> yeah, very good. Well, thank you, Chris, for coming on. And uh, what's the website, by the way? It's ranchwork. Hang on, just a second. I'm going to look that up while y'all are saying this. So I give you the exact right you, thing. Uh, Tara, do you have it? It's yeah, ranchwork. I sent it. Ranchwork championships. It should be ranchworkchampionships.com. Yep. Okay. Good. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Chris. We appreciate you stopping by. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, that's it. That's ranchworkchampionships.com. They've got a really slick website, and they've put together a nice promo video all within just a few events that they've run. So, All right. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, we got back from uh, we just got back yesterday from from <clears throat> watching the Land Rover Kentucky three day event, and uh, we had about I think we had almost forty thousand people out there on Cross Country Day, and it seemed like it. There were a lot of people there, uh, but it was a good weekend, and the weather held. So I mean, it rained a couple times, but it was right after. I mean, it was it really didn't rain on us uh, at the competition too much, a little bit during dressage, but then everybody, there's nobody watches it anyway. So it was fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, we had a good time. But the one thing we didn't get to do while we were there is go see the new Avengers movie. Did you see it? I have not seen it. Do you realize? I hear it's amazing. Uh, every, every review I've re- I'm not allowed to talk about this with Jamie, so uh, because she hasn't seen it since she won't allow me to even talk about it. So I'm talking about it with you. <laughs> so, so apparently it's it went to 1.2 billion dollars. It's the first movie to ever break a billion dollars in the opening weekend. Wow, that's just crazy. <laughs> That means every seat in every theater for the entire weekend had to be taken uh, around the world. I had friends that were posting pictures. Oh, I'm first in line for Avengers. And I thought, I didn't even know it was coming out. I mean, (laughs) and... But I'm also, you know, my age category of movies right now. I'm pumped when How to Train Your Dragon comes out. That's that's right with the kids to watch. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. But I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, apparently. I, I mean, I haven't read a bad review on it. It's like over three hours long. and there's what? No, Yeah, it's over three hours. It's like three hours and five minutes or something. Um, and they say it's not, you don't, doesn't drag anywhere. But, you know, it starts, you know how Avengers movies are. They start oh, with a bang okay. and they end with a bang. And there's a lot of bangs in the middle. Um, for me, that's two bathroom breaks. I mean, ugh, I have to figure yeah. out where to go to the bathroom twice during that movie. Uh, it's but, funny. I really, when I like a movie, I hate when it ends. Trevor and I watched the Green Book, oh, and yeah. I was really, was it I good? was really disappointed. It was very good. He and I both were like, it could keep going for us. Huh. Uh, I haven't so, seen that yet. I'm gonna have to watch that. I'll, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to check out Avengers Endgame. Well, so. 
we talk about horse movies a lot on the show here, but I've never talked about it with you. And Cowgirl Magazine published their list of the 10 favorite horse movies. And I thought we I would just see with you, coming from the Western perspective, which of these <laughs> movies you've actually seen and what okay. you thought. Okay, so, <laughs> so what would you guess would be the top on their list of horse movies? Oh, uh, like probably Secretariat or Seabiscuit. Nope. Or eight seconds. Can, I don't know. And also remember, this is Cowgirl Magazine. So yeah. Secretariat is on there. It's number seven. Oh. So uh, it was on there. Um, I don't see Seabiscuit, which I really like that movie. <laughs> so I did too. I thought it was, I, I might even been up there with Secretariat. I really like that movie. Number 10 was Dreamer. What? I don't even know what that is. See, okay, well, there we go. Uh, number nine was Flicka. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the new one or the 2006, one yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did, I really wasn't a fan of that one. <laughs> so there you go. Wouldn't be on Tara's list. Number eight. Oh, you've probably seen this one because you have kids. Uh, Sp- uh, Spirit Stallion of C- Cimarron. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you've seen that a few thousand times probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Secretariat, which was... You know, if I was going to, we, we had this conversation with Jeffy, he's not a horse person or, or, or producer. And uh, I said, if there's one, we, we voted and we decided if there was one movie to show a non-horse person, Secretariat's probably it. Oh. Or, or Seabiscuit. Maybe even more Seabiscuit. We were tied between the two. Because if you're going to show a non-horse person, what's going to keep their interest, right? And I yeah. think one of those two would keep their interest. I, I am not sure that uh, Dreamer or Flicka would do that. But. Yeah, or Racing Stripes. <laughs> I wouldn't pick that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> I wouldn't pick that one anyway. Uh, yeah. Hildago's another one, though. That could oh, keep, that's a good it's one. It's a good one. And that would probably keep the interest of a non-horse person. Because it's really more about the story of him going over there. I almost would have expected it to be higher. But yeah. I guess it's the middle of the pack. Okay. Jamie's favorite movie, Man from Snowy River. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That would totally have been my pick. Yeah? For number one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe number two. Maybe I'll have to watch it one day because you guys keep talking about it and I've never watched You've it. You've never seen it? No. I've never There's seen two. It. Yes, and I've never seen either one. Oh, Glenn. I'm a horse husband. I don't you, you got to watch it. Okay. Did Trevor watch it? Oh, it's his favorite. It's it's his number one. Oh. Yeah, the kid, he and the kids will watch it from beginning to end every time. All right, I gotta watch it sometime, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Wild Hearts can't be broken is number oh, four. Isn't I that like the that one, one? Is that the one where they do the? I have no idea the what diving. that one is. The diving one. That's the diving one from I mean, Atlantic City diving one, right? Yeah. Okay. That's a, I'd forgotten about that one. Um, number three, Black Beauty. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you realize that I, was 1994? I gotta tell you, I don't know that I've seen Black Beauty. <laughs> Jamie would kick you off the show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, I think maybe I have. <laughs> number two. But it wouldn't be my top, it wouldn't be my top five, yeah. <laughs> number two, clean, or, uh, The Horse Whisperer. Oh, yeah. Robert Redford. I like that one. I yeah. like that one. And number one, The Black Stallion. Yeah, that's a good one. It's always at the top of the list, you know. I can't, I can't believe all the pretty horses didn't make that list. Yeah, there's a, there's several on here that didn't make the list, I think. 
Um, yeah. I was trying to look for comments to see if they had any comments on this, but they didn't. I was trying to see what, what the comments would say, but uh, they didn't have any comments on it. But that, anyway, that's Cowgirl Magazine. That's what they picked. What's your number one? What's your all-time favorite? Uh, it's, I think it has to be Seabiscuit. I really like Seabiscuit. Yeah. You know, just it. a story and, and, you know, how it was told. And you know, I love match races, too. I would Quite love to too. see a match race today. I would, you know, it would never happen. But I would love to see a match race. Have, uh, do you have? We're going to one in two weekends. Really? Yeah. Have you Have you been to one? I've never saying, been to a match race. No. Nope. <gasps> what? Okay. You need to plan next year to come to the Western Heritage Classic. We should do like a live episode there or something. They actually have they racing have, in it? They have match races. They have a ranch rodeo and a huge trade show and match races. and it, Just two horses I mean, side by side. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, they line the alleyway. Like, it's pickup trucks and umbrellas and pop-up <laughs> this is old school. and coolers. <laughs> I mean, it's a party. Yeah, there's, there's, I'm, I don't know. There's probably some side betting going on, if I was to say or guess. Uh, I definitely have seen pictures posted of cash in hand. <laughs> so, yeah, you should come. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, Hold on one second. We got the show booted off of Colin's studio. The We're just going back. Indicate. I know we'll never see it in thoroughbreds again. There's just too much money. Nobody will ever do it. You know, I, I, and uh, the whole reputation thing. I, it was going to take a special two owners to do it, I think, in thoroughbreds. Yeah. <laughs> Which reminds me, we will have a complete, uh, we'll be talking a lot more about a certain Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend. Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about that on Friday and making our picks. So uh, I wanted to remind everybody of that before we get to your next guest. And also, uh, Jamie is out at Monty Roberts' place right now, and she will be traveling back home tomorrow. She went from, from Kentucky to Monty Roberts and then back home. So we will have Helena. Uh, who you guys haven't heard from in a while here on Horse Radio Network. Helena is going to be filling in tomorrow morning for Jamie on Horses in the Morning. So you'll get to hear Helena again. So that's happening tomorrow morning here. And then uh, Thursday is the driving episode. But right now, your guest is ready. Okay. Well, I'd like to welcome Ashton Dunkel onto the show this morning. Uh, She is on the equestrian team at Texas A&M. And the equestrian sport in the collegiate division is really fascinating to me. I don't know a lot about it. And Ashton has competed at the, at the highest level on one of the top teams in the country. So I asked Ashton if she would come on and tell us a little bit about the sport and her experience. And uh, so welcome. Good morning, Ashton. Good morning. How are y'all? Good. We're doing well. Hey, Thank Ashton, you. before you get started, I got to ask you, what's your favorite horse movie of all time? My favorite horse movie? Yeah. Hmm. That's a tough one. I don't know. They're all really good. Probably Secretariat would be my favorite. Yeah, that's what we were just talking about. I think it's on the list for for everybody, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Secretariat. It definitely (laughs) has to be. Cool. All right. I just wanted to ask. (laughs) Very good. Uh, So, Ashton, tell tell us a little bit about how the collegiate equestrian sport works. Describe in in collegiate equestrian, um, you'll have a homeschool and a visiting school, and your homeschool will provide the horses for both schools to ride. And so, when a visiting school comes in, they will do a draw 
So we have a preset list of horses that we will use for a competition. And within that, we have a starting lineup and the coaches will come together and do a random draw. And then because it is collegiate equestrian and we go head to head against each other on the same horse, two girls will ride the same horse. So say that Auburn comes to Texas A&M to compete. Say I ride peanut, then an Auburn girl will ride peanut. And to level the playing field, uh, neither girl warms the horse up. They watch somebody from the home school warm the horse up, and then they each get four minutes on the horse to do the reining maneuvers or horsemanship, whatever they want to do, and then they go and run the pattern. Does that kind of all make sense? It, it does. So then how do you guys practice? Do you practice on the horses that you compete with, or do you have so a different set of practice we, horses? No, we practice on the horses that we will compete on, but we ride a different horse every single day. Um, our coach will come out with us and she'll say, we're going to do this set of maneuvers. And occasionally we'll do that maneuver several times on a horse to try and become very consistent as a rider, always using the same sort of cue. And then there's also times during practice that like, say I'm on Vicky, I'm going to run my pattern on Vicky and then I'll step off Vicky and I'll get on another horse. I just swap with other girls and practice. So when we are practicing, we try and do the maneuvers in a consistent way that nearly all of our school horses know the cues for each maneuver. And does that, does that transfer well to other schools, the consistency of your maneuvers? Like does Auburn use the same maneuvers as you or cues as you, or do you find that it really is different at each school? So most times the horses are all very similar occasionally you might get a horse that's a little bit different, but that's where you utilize your four minutes in your warm up that you get to test those maneuvers. So say I'm going through and I ask for a lead change and it doesn't quite happen like I need it to. So then I'll go in, ask for it again and just alter it a little bit, depending on how I feel that horse needs to be cued to do that maneuver. And so what events do you compete in? So So I personally compete in the reining, but within the collegiate equestrian, we have reining, horsemanship, equitation over fences, and equitation on the flat. So I'm pretty familiar with the reining and horsemanship. I don't know as much about the equitation on the flat or over fences. So Okay. And so horsemanship, it's like a, it's a pattern. Like a, like what kind of, yes. like a, like raining kind of describe the elements of a, a raining pattern and then the elements of a horsemanship pattern. So for the raining, we have the maneuvers of doing your spins. You'll run a set of circles showing different size variations and speed variations. Um, you'll have to perform what we call a lead change. And then you also perform sliding stops and rollbacks. And then for horsemanship, the way it is judged is based on the rider's body position and their connection and feel to that horse. So they have a, it's a different pattern every time that may include maneuvers of turns, stops, and various extensions of each gate. 
But as a judge is watching it, they're critiquing it and scoring it all based on the rider's body position of how well they ride the horse. Okay. And so your rating, your rating is scored more on the maneuver that the horse performs. Yes. Yes. The rating is scored on the maneuvers based on the horse, just like it is, uh, and several other events. So how many, what do you call, what do you call it when you have, is it a competition? Is it a meet? Is it a show? What do you call it when you have a team or you, you, So for each competition, we can call it a competition, but a lot of times for the teams, we all call it meets. So we will have a numerous amount of meets throughout the year because our sport does go during the fall and spring semester. So, Mm -hmm. and then whenever we get to like our conference championships or national championships, it's, um, it's basically just like a bracket that you go through and compete against various teams. And which teams are in your division which like so i for the because the texas a&m is in the southeastern conference we compete against the other sec schools and there are four schools that are in the secs that have equestrian teams and that would be texas a&m auburn university of georgia and then the university of south carolina but because we compete so often throughout the year, we will also compete against other schools within other conferences. So we'll compete Ooh. against the big 12 schools and uh, other schools like that. And is your, are you, is your championship for the year, is it defined just by SEC or do you have another championship that you go for that includes all equestrian teams or is it just SEC? So what we have, we have, our conference championship would be like the SEC tournament and stuff. But then we also have a national championship. So for that, um, you have to rank each school based on how their year has gone. And then they get invited to come to the national championship, which is held in Waco each year. And so once everybody gets to Waco, everybody brings horses. And then when you get to that level, um, you are actually riding, so if we're, say, if Texas A&M is going against Georgia, we are not going to ride Texas A&M or Georgia horses. That way it's a fair playing field and neither of us are as familiar with the horses okay. because we don't practice on those horses the whole time. Okay. So, so you bring horses, but you don't ride your horses. You just mm-hmm. do a draw that excludes you from the horses yes. that you normally see. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So <laughs> that's a lot we, of coordinating. I've, it is. It really is. So every competition we go to, we video every single run. So we do a lot of video reviews. So before we have, like, before we travel to go to a meet, we will have a meeting specifically just to go and watch videos from past years, just to see their horses. And because sometimes you'll see horses multiple times. And with that, you can actually take a lot from the videos of just watching other people ride that horse, too. Yeah. And how many people are on your team? So how many, when you go, how many horses do you have to, when people come to you or you go there, how many horses do you have to have to provide? So there's actually a total of about 55 girls on the Texas A&M team. But that being said, not every girl gets to compete. 
So within each discipline, typically you have five compete in each event. So we'll have like five reigning horses, five horsemanship horses, and then five for each hunt seat event as well. And so um, it's very competitive because you are during your practices and all, you were competing to be in that starting lineup. But at the same time, even if you aren't in that starting lineup, every other job that is done is so important to the team's success. So what, so, so what are some, so if you're not the competitor, what are some other things that you do to help your team? Like what are the different roles that you take on as a teammate? So as a teammate, you are, if it's a home competition, say we're hosting a meet, the girls will have to be responsible for warming up our horses because the competitors can't be on the horse before Mm. their four minutes starts. Mm. And so they will help warm up the horses. If you've ever been to an equestrian meet, the yelling and cheering is crazy. So we do a lot of support, like just being supportive and then, um, so the also the girls who aren't competing will help all those who are competing by getting their shots put down once they get on the horse, adjusting the stirrups and mm. that way too. Yeah. Do you guys do like do you take the I mean A and M, I don't know how much you guys know about A and M, Glenn, but they're like insane enthusiasts for their sports. Oh, so do yeah. you take Okay, so do you guys Every take sport. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you take that to the equestrian ring too, Ashton? Do you fill the stadium like in football? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every you there's definitely a feel for it for sure because <laughs> you get in the arena and the girls are going nuts for you. Like we're hooping and hollering like crazy and like personally it's it's just so encouraging as you're competing to hear all the girls who are supporting you because they're cheering you on, even though they wish that they could be where you were too. Yeah. But do you do like this? I mean, do you have cheer practice? Do you go to cheer practice and take what you learned in cheer? Right. Is it called cheer practice that you guys do at a yeah, Yell practice. Yell practice. Yell, midnight Sorry. Yell practice. Thank you for correcting me. I knew that didn't sound right. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so do you so, take what you learn in yell practice to the, to the arena or no separate event, separate, um, separate things? No, we, we do. We actually do. So there, cause like there's times where judges are having to calculate scores or anything like that. So there'll be like a kind of a dead moment. So we'll just be up in the stands and we'll start doing yells. And we've actually created some of our own yells that are like personalized to A&M equestrian <laughs> that we get to use. And so, uh, it's definitely, uh, our whole team just feels like a family all the time just because we're so close together we're doing all this stuff and it's yeah. really crazy to think how how many we come from all over the country how many are on the team i looked at like your team picture it looks like a hundred how many are on the team <laughs> i think we currently have like 54 girls that are That's on the I team thought. it looks a lot total. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for sure so and so, how did we are one of the bigger teams, but there are others that have more than us too. So, how did you get involved, or how did you even know that you could go and compete collegiately? Because I feel like collegiate equestrian is relatively new. I mean, like it, in the last twelve yes. years, right? I'm not. It's not been around as long as football, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yes, that is correct. 
So I know at A&M, we actually just had our 20-year reunion. So the equestrian team at A&M has been there for 20 years. Wow. But the formatting and everything that we are currently a part of is relatively new. So um, it's a growing sport. And we are, we being on the equestrian team, we are a part of the athletic department. So a lot of the perks that like all the football and basketball players get, we also get those perks. Yeah. So, um, within that, the format that we are in now probably has come about within the last eight to nine years, I believe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, you're really, really, you're about to hit your stride really in probably the next Mm -hmm. next few years then. Okay. So we have several schools who are starting to add. How did you, and how did you get involved? How did you get started with horses and, and all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but how did you get involved in horses and evolve to this level of competition? So I grew up on my family's ranch out here in North Texas and was instantly put on a horse. I was riding before <laughs> I could walk. So I grew up on horses and showing and competing was just kind of something that uh, naturally fit into my lifestyle. And then as I started competing at a higher level, like at the AQHA World Show and the Youth World and all, um, the collegiate coaches will come and watch and they're taking notes on several people. And so there is a recruitment process just as like there is for a football player or a basketball player. So we will send in recruitment videos to coaches across the country. And then they also hold camps where all the youth level kids are able to come and kind of get a feel for what the equestrian program is like and riding that many different horses. And so within that, you keep in touch with those coaches and then uh, we take official visits and get to uh, experience a meet usually with some of the girls on the team. And um, basically the coaches will then offer you a spot. And so now you grew up competing also in versatility in ranch horse. So what made Mm -hmm. you choose to compete on the equestrian team versus the ranch horse team? Because A&M also has a ranch horse team, right? Yes. So A&M does have a ranch horse team and the equestrian team. So I had decided before I ever even pursued any involvement with an equestrian program that I was coming to A&M. Both of my parents are Aggies. My grandfather was an Aggie, so... You didn't I, have a choice. My heart was gone. <laughs> no. No. They would have kicked you and out of the family. So. God. Can you imagine <laughs> she went to Oklahoma or something? Jeez. They'd never talk to her again. Yeah. Funny you say <laughs> that. Because she my, has this... Yeah. <laughs> what's that? My younger sister actually goes to... Te- my younger sister actually goes to Texas Tech. So. Oh, is she even part of the fan? She's not over oh. for Christmas anymore, is she? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's still around. So <laughs> we're okay with it. We, we still talk we to her. That she's, yeah, we have hopes that she'll come to grad school at A&M. So <laughs> she'll she can, see the there's light. There's no hope for her to be an Aggie. <laughs> why did she? I got a so out of curiosity. Why did, did she just not go there because you were there? Or why didn't she go? 
Um, so my sister wasn't interested in the equestrian team program that I am, and she really wanted to pursue the ranch horse team. Ah. And she visited both schools and compared the ranch horse team programs and the coaches, and she just liked what Texas Tech had to offer her. Got it. Well, you're still in Texas anyway. That's something. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I chose the equestrian team over the ranch horse team just because I wanted to like challenge myself a little more because these horses were horses that I had never ridden before. And it's something that you don't experience in just an individual's. If you go and show a horse on your own, it's not something that you're going to, you have, you've practiced on that horse. You know what that horse is most likely going to do when you get in the show ring. Whereas in this collegiate equestrian program, you are riding a horse that you, there's a very good chance you've never ridden before. And you only get four minutes on that horse before you have to go and show your pattern. So it just really challenged me as a rider. And I really liked that. And then uh, just the overall feeling that I got when I visited the team is why I chose to do the equestrian team. Very good. And so you're a senior this year. So what will you be, what's your degree in and what are your plans after graduation? So I have a, I will be graduating in actually a week with a degree in agricultural leadership and development with a minor in extension. And I am actually planning to stay at Texas A&M and pursue a master's degree in the animal science department, specifically focused within the equine department. So from there, I can see myself becoming um, active within an association of some sort. Or I've also considered becoming an extension agent through like 4-H development because the I was very active in 4-H growing up and really enjoyed doing all of those programs as well. Oh, that's great. Well, you're, you're very talented with horses and you've done an amazing job in your collegiate career and kept up, you know, academic honors and uh, we appreciate you coming on the show today and we wish you all the best as you... Mm-hmm pursue your masters and we know you'll be a great influence for the horse world so thank you well thank you for having me okay good luck yeah and if you want to if people want to follow your team where would they go to learn more about oh okay that was fast (laughs) she's like see ya (laughs) yeah well you can go where i found it is 12thman.com 12thman.com and you can look up equestrian sports and see all the 54 people on there i was shocked and apparently they all have to be blonde with straight hair it seems to be a thing with (laughs) texas a&mt Sure, there's a brunette in there somewhere, but look like a lot of blondes with straight hair. Uh, and uh, can you imagine if her sister had gone to Georgia? Well, oh, would have yeah. been bad. <laughs> uh, they're both very talented riders and have a really, I think, a, a wide scope, like a really strong background in in horsemanship too, not just competing. So it's you really, really have to be a close family for your for for your younger sister to want to be on the same team. Especially if you've got a year or two, right? On on yeah. her, that that yeah. that'd be tough, I think. Especially if your older sisters are really, really good writer. They're both very good writers. Yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. interesting. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Sometimes you think, well, maybe there's family. Yeah, dynamics. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, but I mean, like, oh, if you go to another school, you're banned. But maybe it's better, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's true. That's I true. I, I doubt that with those two, but. Well, people can find you where. We're at carterranchhorse.com. And what's coming up? Anything? 
that we need uh, to know about? We've got, Clinics we're or headed, anything? We're headed to California for a sh- show. Well, we're going to Amarillo for a show. We've got people that come in and ride with us before and after that. So we don't really have any major clinics. Our next big clinic is in July. That's our branding where people come and learn about working cattle and learning about <laughs> roping. And they use a breakaway rope, which I was going to tell you. Yeah, what? Is, yeah, explain that. He was kind of kept saying it, but explain it. Okay, so there's two ways you can think about breakaway roping. And a breakaway hondo, which is what Chris said. Yeah, is, I don't know it's what a, a hondo is. So, that was... so the, the honda is like, it's, you know, when you make a loop out of a rope, it's the little tiny loop that you feed the rope through to make, a, you know, it. To make okay. it draw down. Got so it. that's that piece, whether it's tied or, you know, uh, made with rawhide or whatever, that is called the honda or hondo, depends on how you want to say it. So the breakaway Honda, what it has is it's made out of like a really stiff rubber or a hard plastic, and it has a slit in the middle of it, in the top of it. So when you draw the rope down tight, the rope actually pops out that slit. Oh, and so the, okay. rope, the rope just becomes a long piece of rope, no loop in it. So, it's, so is there a certain amount of pressure that causes that to work or not? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, but it, yeah, but I mean, but you could like put it around your wrist and pop out of it. You know, it's okay, not, so it's pretty easy. The, yeah. Yes. And then the other way, the breakaway roping, what we were talking about within rodeo, the way they do it is they don't necessarily have a breakaway Honda on. They tie their rope to their saddle horn with a piece of string. So they go out, they rope the cow. And when they catch the cow, the, uh, the coil, like the, the rope draws tight and then it just pulls it off the saddle horn. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And then yeah. the, they, then they just pull the rope off. Yeah. Then yeah. the cow runs to the end of the pin and then they, they call it a strip and shoot, and then they pull the rope off, and you get your rope back, and away you go. Huh. And you yeah. said that's becoming a thing now at rodeos, too. Because well, let's face it, that event has always been the one that has crin- people cringe and get up and leave. Yeah, and yeah. It, typically breakaway roping has been, they had it in the WRCA. It's been more of a female rodeo sport, but they added it to the American this year. Um, you know, And so there was a young girl who won it. Uh, won a big prize, big prize for the breakaway roping. She actually was on a ranching heritage bred horse, and now they're starting to add it into some more rodeos, like Sheridan, Wyoming's. They're about to add it into their big rodeo. So I think we're going to see more of it, which good. is great. That's good. Yep. Very cool. All right. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us again. Remember that if you want to go back and listen to past Western episodes here at Horses in the Morning, you just go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down to the middle of the page, and you'll see the Western logo right there. You can click on it, and it'll bring you to all the past episodes. And we've been doing this for a while, a couple years now, right? I know. We are. And we're just learning about Symbiont. (laughs) I know. I know. I don't know how. Maybe that's, I don't know. I don't know why we didn't know about it. We we know a lot about a lot of products here. So It's uh, because it's in your backyard, probably. That's it. That's it. Well, we'll definitely post a link to that in our show notes as well if people want to go check that out. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, I did have an announcement for tomorrow. I just confirmed that uh, filling in for Jamie because she's on her way home will be Helena, uh, the first host here on Horse Radio Network with me at Stable Scoop uh, 11 years ago now. And she'll be back and joining me for the day tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun and uh, like old times. It'll be, we can reminisce a little bit about the old da- old days of Horse Radio Network when there was one show. And <laughs> <laughs> Why? And not 17. Thanks, Tara. Thank you, guys. See you, everybody.